written from the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I am the voice of one, crying in the wilderness of this world, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight a crooked path, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. In our broadcast, we shall be attempting to dispel some misconceptions or what we call myths surrounding the baptism into the body. In our last broadcast, we discussed baptism into the body extensively and in it we made some profound statements. We defined baptism into the body as the Christian coming under the authority and leadership of the Lord Jesus Christ. We said that baptism into the body represents the spiritual union between Christ and the Christian in which the Christian loses his identity and takes on the identity of Christ. And so we said that baptism into the body begins, as it were, the branding of the Christian as a disciple and not just a member, but a disciple who is a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, following his teachings, his lifestyle, and nature, acting like he would act. We then looked at some other things about the baptism into one body, where we said that all of us become one, that there is no distinction in Christ. No male, no female, as far as Christ is concerned. No nationality, no skin color, differentiation. None of those things all are one in Christ. So there's nothing like an ethnic church, a national church, a racial church, and so on and so forth. The church of God is both global and local, where the various local churches make up the global church, all of them under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. We also noted that the baptism into the body is what the Holy Spirit does when he takes the believer, one who had just been born again, and immerses him, places him, puts him into the body of Christ. Each individual in the church has a pivotal role to play in the development and influence that the church of God has on the world and human society. We looked at the description that the Lord Jesus Christ gave when he said that we are the salt of the earth, we are the light of the world. Ours is to bring savor to a dark and untoward world, to bring light into the wickedness and darkness that has enveloped the world so that the world can see how they ought to live. We noted that there is nothing like someone who is superior to the other when we talk of the body of Christ. All have their own roles to play. The hand cannot play the role of the eyes. The ears cannot play the role of the feet. The heart cannot play the role that the hands will play. Each part is important. There's not one that is superior to the other. It's important, therefore, that each individual in the body knows his or her role and they play that part accordingly as the Lord has gifted them. We made mention of the issue of denominations and said that the denomination is like an octopus or a monster, which is not what God intended. God intended the church to be local, and he superintends each church through individuals in each of the local churches based on geographical territories, and not one is superintending the other. However, what God has spoken to one can apply to another. So the fact that churches can exchange amongst themselves the word of God does not mean that they have to superintend another church. Each one is distinct in its local environment. So denominationalism is something that is contrary to the concept of the baptism into one body. And then we noted that since Christ is the head of the church and he is holy, the church must be holy. 
we also noted the interconnectivity or interdependence of each individual in both the local and global church. Because the Bible says that if one suffers, all suffer. If one is honored, all are equally honored. And so we must be careful what we do because what we do could either impact positively on the church or negatively as the case may be. Indeed, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 2 verse 24 that because of untoward actions of believers, the name of God is blasphemed, is maligned among Gentiles. We must remember that ours is to bring glory to the name of God, not shame. We also noted that each Christian is placed in a specific part of the body to fulfill the purpose, the will of God in that place. We are not to walk at cross purposes to one another or at cross purposes with the purpose of God. Once we are acting outside of the purpose of God, we are engaging in dead works. Dead works are activities that God does not sanction. God did not initiate. God is not involved in its implementation. God just is not there. There are things that we want to do on our own for whatever reason. We said each Christian in a local assembly is where they are nurtured and matured. So the Lord will place you where you will be nurtured, where you will be taken care of, where you will be groomed, where you will be developed, where you will be matured. And even in that place, you will play a role whilst you are being nurtured, just like in a home where a child gets into a home and the child is nurtured, the child is matured, and the child contributes, engages in chores, even in the home can be sent on errand, and so on and so forth. We also know that each Christian must therefore be committed, active, and effective in the local assembly that the Holy Spirit has placed them into. One of the other things we've noticed is that we should be accountable to the leadership and other members of the local assembly, and indeed the global church. If you find yourself in a locality, maybe you go out to do some work somewhere, go to a local assembly and submit yourself there. Just go there. As the Holy Spirit will direct you and you will be of service there, you will be further nurtured there. So we jump straight to what we want to discuss today, which is to dispel misconceptions or myths surrounding the baptism into the body. One of the misconceptions is that some people say that baptism into the body is what happens when you decide on the church you want to attend. Now, we must note, it is the Holy Spirit who puts us in the church who puts us in the local assembly. We cannot make that decision ourselves. No more can we do that than a child decides which home he or she is to be born into. You must be led by the Spirit of God. You cannot just jump into any place and say, this is my church. No. If you do that, you will be definitely in the wrong place. And we don't even know whether you will be in a church or a cult or a club, as the case may be. So it's important that we are led by the Spirit of God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. You are not a son of God because you say I'm a son of God or because you say I'm born again. You are a son of God because you are being led by the Spirit of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, the Bible tells us that by one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. We are placed by the Holy Spirit. We don't do it on our own. We don't do it because we feel like. And that's because there's something that the Holy Spirit wants us to do in the local assembly. In Romans chapter 12, verse 4 to 8. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 to 8. The Bible says, For 
as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion of our faith, or ministry, let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So even though we are in one body, we have different giftings. And the Bible says, according to the measure of faith and the grace of God that is upon your life, use the gifting that God has placed upon you in the local assembly. There's no need for arrogance or pride here. Indeed, if you read verse 3, it says, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Don't think yourself to be more than you are. Recognize that yes, you are in the body, you are supposed to be engaged in serving in the body, and that is what it is. You're not a superstar. It's good that you have been given a gift and the truth of the matter is you were given. You didn't work for it. There's nobody who works for this gift. It's the grace of God and it is given by God to each individual. The second misconception we want to deal with here is attending a church or being born into a church means that you have been baptized into the body. No, you must first of all be born again. You can be born again in your home. In your sitting room, you can be born again at a crusade or a rally ground. You can be born again on the street or at the airport. Or somebody might have spoken to you on the aircraft or in a bus and you surrendered your life to Christ. It is after that that the Holy Spirit will direct you to where you are to be placed. Where he wants you to be. Like I use the example of a child. When the mother gives birth to the child in the maternity, the mother takes the child back home. The mother does not keep the child in the maternity, no. The mother takes the child back home and the child grows in the environment of the home. Mother, father, and if he has siblings, with the siblings. In the same way, when you come into the church of God, you have siblings. Your fellow brothers and sisters are already in that local assembly. So God sends you there so that you can be groomed. You can be raised up in line with how Christ wants you to be raised up. Being born again in a local assembly is good. I mean, some people go to church and get born again in a church. But that does not automatically mean that that is the place where God wants you to be placed. You may be born again in church A, yet where God wants for you to be is church B. So it is important to understand what it is that God wants to do. Sometimes we get born again in a locality, locality A, for example. And maybe within a week of being born again, we are transferred to locality B. In locality B, God will now tell you, this is where you are going to be nurtured. This is where you are going to be raised and things like that. So you will begin to be a part of that local assembly. You don't move to another location and then continue to go back to the same church where you were attending. Except God tells you to do that, which is not likely really. Because the goal of the church is that the church will be a community within a locality where it influences its immediate environment. What we have today are people commuting for church meetings. You can imagine a pastor who has to travel, who has to commute from one town or one city to another to be a pastor. Nobody even knows him. 
in the locality where he is ministering. He's better known where he lives, where he resides. So the idea really for the local church is that you are known within the environment where you live, both the leadership and the membership. If you look at what the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 3 concerning the ordination of bishops, it speaks about one who not just rules his house well, but also who is known in the environment, even amongst unbelievers. So the fellow needs to be within the environment. There are pastors who are like demons where they live, but in church they are angels. And it's a very poor testimony in their locality where they are. The idea is that we would be light shining in the locality that God has placed us in. So the fact that you attended a church and got born again in a church does not mean that that is the church that you ought to be in. The Holy Spirit will direct you. The work of bringing somebody into Christ is the job of the evangelist who is like what you would call a roving ambassador of Christ. But when it comes to where you will be nurtured, where you will be matured under the leadership of a pastor or teacher of the word of God, it is the Holy Spirit that will direct you. And in that location also, you're going to be more effective because God wants you there for a particular purpose. Another myth that we want to dispel, it says here, without the Holy Spirit, you can still be baptized into the body. That doesn't work out because the Holy Spirit is the baptizer. He's the baptizer into the body. No other person can baptize into the body. In Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 19, verse 1 and 2, when Paul went to Ephesus and saw some disciples there, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Even though they called them disciples, it became clear instantly to Paul that something was amiss. And if you read further in verse 3, Bible says, And he, that is Paul, said to them, Into what then were you baptized? If you don't know anything about those, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. And he began to tell them, is that an Old Testament thing that you're working with? The new has come. John was speaking about this particular time. So you cannot be going on John's baptism. There is a baptism that is to be hard. And the Holy Spirit is going to baptize you into the local assembly. You are going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So that you can be empowered to serve. So you cannot be baptized into a body. If you don't have the Spirit of God in you, if the Holy Spirit is not involved, there is no baptism into the body. In Romans chapter 8 verse 9, Romans chapter 8 verse 9, the Bible says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. If the Spirit of God is not in you, you are none of his. I think I've explained this before. When you get born again, the Spirit of God immediately comes into you. The Bible says that we are born of the Spirit of God. He comes into us and he begins to do the work of recreation within us. Or what we call the work of sanctification. Removing the old nature and bringing in the new nature. And as we respond to the Holy Spirit, he fills us more and more on the inside. Making us more and more holy and able to obey God. Then he comes upon us, which is the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and empowers us to serve. Whilst he is within us, sanctifying us, he also places us in a local assembly. 
So without the Holy Spirit, you cannot be baptized. He is the baptizer into the body. Without the Holy Spirit, you are not baptized into the body. If, for example, you are in a church, and we have to put that in quotes now, that does not believe in the Holy Spirit, what you have is either a club or a cult. It is not the church of the living God. The church of the living God is put together by the Spirit of God. Indeed, the church of God was formed when the Holy Spirit descended in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. That was when the church was formed. And on that same day, after he fell upon the 120 were in the upper room, that same day, Peter preached and 3,000 came in to the body. He brought them into the body and the church was formed that very day. So without the Holy Spirit, there can be no baptism into the body. Then we have another misconception here that after the Holy Spirit places you in a local assembly, you have to choose where and how you serve in the local assembly. Not true. It is not your choice. It is his choice. He placed you there for a reason. He did not just place you anywhere. He didn't say well, you can stay anywhere. If you look at your body, you see that the parts of your body are placed strategically by God. The Bible says, I think in, in Psalm 139, we are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. He put every part where it should be. And he knows why he put those parts there. And they are playing their role in the same way. When you are born again and you are placed in the body, the Holy Spirit knows where he wants you to be because he knows what he wants you to do. Let's read Acts chapter 13, verse 1 to 4. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Serene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now, separate to me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So, being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. The Holy Spirit went to the church in Syrian Antioch whilst they were fasting, praying, studying the word of God, ministering to the Lord. And he spoke to them and he said to them, separate to me, Barnabas and Saul. There is a work I have called them to. And immediately they released them to the Holy Spirit. We seem to have a problem in our generation. People are either jumping out before they are called or when they are called, they are not being released by those who have authority over them. And maybe they are not even hearing. We don't know. So there's a bit of confusion in the church. But the bottom line is that you do not determine where you stay in the body. The Holy Spirit does that. He's the one who directs. He's the one who permits, who allows. So whilst there were prophets and teachers in Antioch, he said, separate these ones unto me. I have work for them. And they became known as apostles, the sent ones, ones who have been sent out. And they were sent out. They didn't take on the title. They played the role of an apostle, one who has been sent. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, the Bible tells us, and he himself, that is Christ, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. They did not take it upon them. He gave some to be for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body. That is to equip the believers so that they can do the work of ministry. And when they are equipped, the Holy Spirit will now say, this person stays here. This person stays here. Put this person here. 
I've heard people say, when it comes to ministry, what is it that you like to do? That is your calling. No, it's not what you like to do. God does not call you into what you like to do. God calls you into what he wants you to do. Let's not get these things messed up. Some people say, okay, I don't like teaching. It's not what you like. It's what you have been equipped for. That is why you were placed in a local assembly. To be equipped, to be taught, so that you can be placed there. And when you are now taught and you are placed in that place, you yourself will become a useful member for that equipping other people based on where God has placed you. Oh yes, it is possible in your local assembly that they assign you as an usher or this or that. That's not what we're talking about here. Those are just what I'll call internship, that men just place us and say, do this or do this or do that and things like that. It may not even be what God is calling you to. At the appropriate time, the Lord will place you where he wants you to be. For example, in Acts chapter 6, if you read it, you will discover that there was a time when there was this problem in the church and the apostles said, look, it's not enough for us to leave the ministry of the word and prayer and to attend to tables. So choose seven people amongst you who are people of good report, people who are full of the spirit, people who are full of wisdom, people who are full of faith, people who are willing and able to serve and give that assignment to them. And they did. And the Bible talked of Stephen and Philip, Timonus. There were seven of them in number and they were consecrated onto that work and the church was blossoming. But then something happened and Stephen was debating people who were coming against the word of God and he gave such an outstanding sermon and became the first martyr. That was his role. So even though they told him to serve tables, what he was called to do was different. And when Saul wreaked havoc on the church and scattered the church in Jerusalem, we hear of Philip no longer serving tables. But Philip went to Samaria and began to preach so much so that there was great joy in that city in Samaria. And he built, as it were, a church. And when you would say the church was in its full bloom, the Holy Spirit said to him, I want you to go to Desert Road. There is someone I want you to go and preach to. And he went and he preached to this fellow and baptized the fellow in water. The Bible says that as he was coming out of the water, the Spirit of God whisked him away and they found him in Azotus. Much later in the book of Acts, we read about Philip. He now had daughters who were prophetesses and he was now sedentary. So the Holy Spirit is the one who places you where he wants to and directs the course of our mission or ministry as it were in the global church. Some people will be pastors from start to finish. Some people will be moved all over the place. It is as the Lord desires, as the Lord pleases he will move us to where he wants to move us. So let's not get caught up on, oh, this is the church I was born into. This is the church I'm going to die in. There's nothing scriptural about that statement. It is where the Lord wants us to be. That brings me to the final misconception or myth that we are going to address. And this is that you can be in a church and not serve as long as you are paying your tithe and giving your offering. That's not true. And there's an argument about tithing and offering. Some people say, whoa, the Bible doesn't talk about tithing. We will see to them because there is no specific mention of tithing in the New Testament as applicable to the New Testament believer. We can take it from the Old Testament that it is expected. Now, what is tithing? What does the Holy Spirit expect us to do when we talk of tithing? It's not so much as tithing because when you read the New Testament, what you find there is giving. Under the New Testament, the requirements for giving are even more stringent than under the old. The difference is that under the old, you had to do things by your effort. Under the New Testament, you had the Spirit of God helping you. You had the Spirit of God already in you, 
doing the work, making you able to do what God wants you to do effortlessly, empowering you to do those things. So under the New Testament, that word tithe, which is 10%, is the minimum that you can ever give. You are supposed to do much more than that. I want you to picture a home where you are working, earning a pay, you are living in the home, your parents or your friend or the people in the home are taking care of you, feeding you and other things. And at the end of the month, you take your salary and you spend it alone. You're not contributing to food in the home. You're not contributing to utilities in the home. You're not contributing to rent in the home, but you're just living there free. You will be considered the most irresponsible person. Even if nobody told you, you should know that you have to contribute as long as you are earning an income and you are living in that home. It is the same thing in the church. How can you be in a church and you are not a financial contributor to the church? This is not about finance. It's about responsibility. So the fact that you are paying tithe and offering is not an issue. You are supposed to. It's the proper thing to do. We are speaking here of a function that you are doing in the church. There's this saying, you are saved to serve. In Luke chapter 1, verse 68 to 75. After John the Baptist was born, John the Baptist's father had been made deaf and dumb. So after John was born and they were going to name him, and the mother named him John, which was a strange name. The people did not agree with that name. And so they beckoned on John's father and said, what will his name be? And the man wrote, his name shall be John. And the moment he wrote it, his voice came back. His hearing came back. And when that happened, he blessed the name of the Lord. And this is what he said from verse 68. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hands of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. This is why we were saved, to serve God. Paying tithe and offering is a rudimentary part of what you are supposed to do. Some people say, I'm a treasurer for God. Let me tell you what a treasurer does. In a group, the treasurer does not own the money. The treasurer keeps the money of the group and the treasurer disburses the money as the chairman or the group require him to do. So if you say that you are a treasurer of God, what it means is that even the income that you are earning is not your money. God is bringing it to you to disburse as he wills, as he decides. If you search yourself, you will know that your flesh is telling you, especially when it comes to the area of money, instead of focusing on what God wants you to do. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 to 12 tells us we are supposed to be in that body and we are trained, we are developed so that we can be involved in ministry and edify the body. If you read further to verse 16, it talks of each part playing his own role and in so doing, building up the entire body as one. Each part, the hand is playing his role, making the body effective. The feet playing their role, making the body to do what it's supposed to do. Can you imagine a human being who is just sitting in one place, doing nothing but eating? That's all he does. He's going to bloat and be obese. God did not put you in the church just so that you can come and pay your tithes and offering. It's not the money. There is more to do in the house of God. There is no reason 
under heaven. Why a Christian in a corporation, in an organization, is not ministering in that organization. And I'm not talking of opening the Bible. No, I'm talking of living out your faith in your place of work. When they implore you to falsify figures, you say no. It is against my conscience. They can sack you. You are a testament to that place. I remember a friend of mine who worked in a company. And one day, God told him, it's time to leave the company and come and serve him full time. He put forward his application to resign. His bosses begged him. They said they were going to increase the salary. He said, it's not about increasing salary. He said he had to leave. What was it that was happening? Whenever he went on trips outside, he was the only one who returned and not only gave account, but brought change. Every other person would spend the money. I had another friend who worked in another company and they used to give gifts to people at Christmas time. On this particular occasion, his chairman asked him to take a gift to somebody and he took the gift to the person. Apparently, the person called the chairman and the chairman now confided in him and said, this is the first time that he's been sending things to this man. This is the first time that that man has called to say, thank you for what you sent to me. What was the meaning of that? It meant that all the times that he was sending people to take something to that guy, the guy never got it. But this fellow, a Christian, because of that, that fellow was promoted in that office. So that's what we are talking about. A testament. When we talk of those people, placing you in a local assembly. We are not just talking about the local assembly where you are. No, we also mean that your place of work can be your pulpit. Some of us don't know why God says, I want you to work in this place. It's not because of the pay. It's more than the pay. It's because in that place, you are going to be a testament, a testimonial to the goodness, holiness, and righteousness of God. Let's conclude. In 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 7, speaking about the temple that Solomon built, the Bible says, And the temple, when it was being built, was built with stone, finished at the quarry, so that no hammer or chisel or any iron tool was heard in the temple while it was being built. So what was happening in Solomon's temple? The whole stones they were using were actually done in a quarry site, completely different from where the temple itself was. And when they had shaped it, they now transported that stone to where it should be laid and they laid them one after the other. The church of God is made up of individuals whom the Bible calls lively stones. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, it says, You also, as living or lively stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So each believer is a stone. There is a place where you are going to fit in heaven. The earth here is the quarry. We are going to discuss more of this when we talk of baptism of suffering. The baptism of suffering is where you are now being chiseled, being trimmed, being made to fit into the place that heaven has for you. But that placement begins here on the earth. You are placed in the local assembly. You are placed in the global church on the earth because there is a place for you in heaven. And then you are being trained. You are being chiseled. You are going through your baptism of suffering. At that time, we'll look at it in more depth. To trim you, to bring you to the place of self-control, of perseverance, of endurance, of character, integrity, holiness, righteousness, faith in God. So that when you leave the earth, you will be fitted into where you ought to be. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 3, the Bible says, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. 
The tabernacle of God is with me. We are the temple that God will dwell in. That's why he's indwelling us now. Making us okay so that we will form that tabernacle. Let me show you something else. In that same Revelation chapter 21, verse 9 to 14. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Having the glory of God, her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates. And names were written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Now the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So each apostle was a foundation. Each Christian is a block of each of the walls. We are the city. This is the bride. Was in, and let me show you the bride of Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2, I hope this will help you to understand it better. Verse 19 to 22. Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. It says, Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. This is why you are baptized into the body. Because as you are baptized into the body here on the earth and you are groomed and trimmed and developed, you will have a place, your own place in eternity in heaven. In Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible speaks of the church in heaven. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. It says, But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. We have come to that heavenly Jerusalem, the church of God in heaven. But first we are here on earth. It's like what happened when Israel left Egypt. They left Egypt and they were in the wilderness. And there was a tabernacle built according to the pattern of what was in heaven in the wilderness. And they had to do service and worship and other things. But they did not understand what God was doing. So by the time they entered the promised land, they soon forgot God and went about worshiping idols. You and I are in the wilderness today. The world that we live in is a wilderness. There's nothing to even sit down here for. But we are here right now. Being chiseled, being groomed, being developed. Because there is a space in heaven that we are going to fit in. If you read Revelation, you read the place where the Lord just promised some people that there will be pillars in the house of God. They will have a place as pillars in the house of God. David said, I'll rather be a gatekeeper in the house of God that they may behold his face. David was a prophet who saw some things that we cannot even see today or even understand. So we are going to be in heaven, fitted into a place. Now we are modeling that here on the earth. So you can imagine if you were to be the lintel for the window in heaven. And they place you in the lintel of the house of God here on the earth. And you say, no, I don't like the lintel. I want to be at the apex 
or I want to be at the foundation. And you move. What have you done? You've brought the whole building down. The moment you move your position from where God has placed you, you have destroyed the entire building. The way we build now is not the way they built in those days. There are stones that are cut and shaped for a particular place. The cornerstone has a different design for where it is to fit in. You cannot move out of the corner and go and stay in the middle and say, I like the middle. No, you are put where the Holy Spirit wants you to be. There is a place for every believer in the church here because there's a place for every believer in the church in heaven. Your placement in the church in heaven begins with your placement here on the earth. The baptism into the body is a foretaste of what will happen to us believers when we get to heaven, where we will be the habitation of God, where God will be with us from morning till night. The Bible says we'll have no need for light because he will be the light of the place. Why he is there, he and his Christ, they will be there and will be light. My prayer is that the spirit of God will stir something in your spirit man and enable you to understand that unless we get ourselves right with God, we'll throw so many things off. I once preached the message in which the Holy Spirit told me certain things about the church of God. And he said there are three groups that we call the church. Only one is the church. You have the cult, you have the club, and you have the church. This is how he explained it to me. In the cult, you have a dominant personality. And you find this in many denominations. The dominant personality is the head of the cult. He is the one who says, this is what we are going to do. And everybody must rally around. It is his purpose that becomes the purpose of everybody. And everybody is doing what he is telling them to do. If you don't do what a man wants you to do, you become ostracized. You are cast out. The man is the leader of a cult. There are many churches that operate like a cult. Because what they do is the purpose of the man. The man is the only one who claims to be hearing from God. No other person except him hears from God. That's a cult. Then you have a club. A club is very social. Everybody comes into a club. Everybody has his own agenda. And in the club, they allow each person to do what he wants to do. Every so often, we feel remorseful. We feel stricken that ah, we have abandoned God. So what do we do? Sometimes we just abandon our agendas for a while and say, okay, what does God want us to do? Oh, God wants us to evangelize. So we say, okay, this is evangelism week. We all go out and evangelize. After a while, we have satisfied our conscience that we have done evangelism. Then we go back and pick our agendas and continue to run. Sometimes we say, oh, God wants us to pray and fast. Okay, let's pray and fast. Let's pray and fast so that we can make God happy. We pray and fast so that we can make God happy. When we feel, because that's what it is, when we feel that God is happy or we are tired, we say, okay, enough is enough. Let's bring our agenda back. We bring our agenda back and we continue to do what we are doing. That is a club. It's an egalitarian society. Everybody has an agenda. The leader allows you to bring your agenda. You yourself, you allow the leader to bring his agenda because we are benefiting from one another. But when we talk of the church, there's only one agenda. It is the agenda of God. And everybody in the body, in the church, know the agenda of God. You don't need a man to tell you this is what God wants us to do. You know in your spirit, man, this is what God wants you to do. In Acts chapter 13, like we read, you saw how they were ministering to God and they all heard the Holy Spirit say, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul. There was no argument. There was no quarrel. They knew what God wanted them to do and they yielded to God. The agenda in the church is God. It's not any other agenda. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ told the church to keep praying. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. The church of God seeks to do the will of God on the earth, just as that will is always done in heaven. So understand that you are placed in the local body or wherever it is that God wants you to be, maybe in your office, 
in the factory where you work so that you will prosecute the agenda of God, not your own agenda. You are working there. When you get into this understanding, you will realize that the salary they are paying you is not what is feeding you. It is God who is taking care of you. So if there is a famine, God will still take care of you. If they sack you, God will still take care of you. Why? Because you are doing the will of God. I'm just praying that the Spirit of God will grant us all understanding of what it is about when he baptizes us into the body, global and local, and that we will understand whose agenda we are prosecuting. It's not my agenda. It's not the agenda of a general overseer or a bishop or a pastor or a church leader. It's the agenda of God. If a church leader brings an agenda, it means that that agenda, if it's from God indeed, everybody in the spirit man will know that this is from God. We are not acquiescing to him because we fear him or because he, he wields a big stick over us. No, we are not a cult. We are the church of God. My prayer is that the almighty God will help us. By the grace of God, next week we shall begin to look at the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure that the almighty God will speak to our hearts and encourage us. And if you have been a believer for some time or even a young believer and you are not yet baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's my prayer that by the time you go through the teachings, You'll be baptized and the physical evidence will be manifest even as you hear the word of God. Until then, I pray that the Lord will direct you to where you fit in the local assembly and will place you in the right place. And there you will truly serve the Lord as you should. Until then, God bless you and goodbye.